0: This is Diana Cordy with Book Talk. My guest today is national security expert Miles Taylor, author of two books. His newest title is Blowback, A Warning to Save Democracy from the Next Trump. Miles, welcome to Book Talk.
1: Diana, great to be with you. Thank you for having me. In
0: 2018, when you were Department of Homeland Security Chief of Staff, you wrote an, an opinion piece in the New York Times in which you blew the whistle on presidential misconduct. You identified yourself as anonymous. Why that name and why did you publish it then? Well, it's a, it's a question I've been
1: asked many, many times. And at the time, the decision to publish an opinion piece from within the administration exposing presidential misconduct was not an obvious one to me and to do it anonymously was not i think obvious to most people but what i knew about donald trump was that he was the master of the politics of personal destruction and that if i had sounded the alarm in that moment in my name he would have made it more about me and whatever he could dig up on me than the allegations and the allegations being that at that point in time the majority of his cabinet on the national security side felt like he was dangerously unfit for office, and there had been discussions about potentially having to invoke the 25th Amendment, which I felt like was a crucial thing for the American people to know. If the president's own lieutenants weren't sure he was stable enough to remain in the job, well, then the voters themselves, the only people who could decide whether to fire or rehire the man in the next election, needed to know that information. So I published it anonymously to focus the attention on the message instead of the messenger, and I had an example for that. Now, I want to be clear, Diana, I'm not comparing myself to these people I'm about to mention, but the founding fathers did something similar when they were trying to sell the American public on the U.S. Constitution, as they wrote the Federalist Papers under a pseudonym called Publius, And the reason being they wanted the American people to discuss and debate that message about the US constitution, instead of discussing the various personalities of the founders. Now my intent had always been to eventually unmask myself so I could be more detailed in my allegations. And I suppose my one regret is that I didn't do it sooner because what I realized when I did come forward against Trump in my my own name is that it provided air cover for other colleagues of mine to come forward. While I was wearing a mask, none of them seemed to have the bravery to come forward and speak in their own names. But by stepping out of the shadows, at least I hope, it helped make it easier for some other people to do the same. So, you know, that's why I did it the way that I did it. But I think if I could have changed anything, I would have come forward in my own name a little bit sooner after that conversation had been started about the president's fitness for office.
0: It wasn't an easy time for you, was it?
1: It was a long road i mean i'll be honest with you the the concept of anonymity seemed like a useful device at first the reality of anonymity was leading a double life continuing to be inside the administration Mm -hmm. while also being actively opposed to the president and even after i quit the administration was still anonymous that pressure compounded and it had a lot of negative repercussions in my life. And that pressure was that I felt like out there in the world there were two different views of this character Anonymous. One was this view of a resistance superhero that was somehow going to save the nation from Donald Trump. And another was this view of a villain inside the administration who was subverting a commander-in-chief and thwarting his lawful orders. Neither of those views was accurate in my view. And I ended up being very anxious about the prospect of unmasking myself and very nearly didn't. And in the lead up to the 2020 election, I had to take a long, hard look in the mirror and say, if I don't come forward against this man, what will I think about myself for the rest of my life? And I concluded I would think myself a coward and into this clear eyed. But for speaking out against a sitting president, I had to run for my life. And many, many other public servants have faced that situation in the years since. And I think it points to a real sickness in our republic at this moment in time.
0: Why do you think Trump has such a loyal audience of supporters?
1: Well, Diane, I think, I, you know, having been in the Republican tribe for a long time and witnessing the MAGA movement from the inside, the answer is one word. It's Fear is people are really, really afraid to break from their tribe because they build, in many cases, their careers and their entire lives around the political tribe that they're in, especially in this town in Washington. And that's why we've seen so many GOP leaders reluctant to break from Trump, even though privately they'll tell people like me and others that they detest the man at best. Or at worst, think he's a threat to the fabric of our republic. But they won't express that because of fear of getting booted out of the tribe. You know, I had this conversation—the same conversation you and I are having—with Congressman, former Congressman Adam Kinzinger. And Adam said something very similar to me. And I said, "Adam, is it uh, is it fear of death? Are they worried about their families?" And he said, "No, they have a deeper fear uh, than danger to their families or to their lives." and that's fear of getting kicked out of that tribe and you know he compared it to you know basically you know what you see with uh, you know p- folks that join a cult and i think there is a similar mindset donald trump maintains this vice like darth vader like grip on the republican party because of that enduring fear
0: when you were writing this new book who did you see as the audience
1: Well, I'm I'm hopeful that it's really independents that pick up this book and read it and see it as a call to action. There's really only a tiny slice of our electorate right now that influences the direction of these big presidential races, and that tends to be, you know, the the moderates in our electoral system. It tends to be unaligned independents. But also, I wanted to message to concerned conservatives like me and give them the rationale to make a smart decision about the future of our country. I mean, the point of this book was to paint as lucid and authoritative a picture as possible about what a second Trump administration would look like, either under his rule or under the rule of a savvier successor to the MAGA movement. And not just in my voice. I interviewed close to a 100 current and former officials, primarily from the Trump administration, to ask a very simple question. What did he and his allies want to do in a first term that they would do in a second term? And if I could sum up the answer to that question in a sentence, it would be there would be a concerted effort to remove democracy's guardrails as if they were barriers. And that's department by department that we would see the dissolution of democracy's guardrails and the weaponization of departments and agencies against political rivals. And uh, that is what I'm concerned about when I look towards 2024, is that there are a lot of people beyond Trump who are looking to carry forward that agenda and to do it in a way that in their view is more efficient and effective than Donald Trump did. And to add a sheen of legality and a propriety on top of something that is anything but.
0: How do you, with the kind of day job you've chosen, you know, to get the word out, how do you deal with stress, mental health?
1: I have a great wife. Uh, I met the love of my life at absolutely my lowest possible point. And when you meet someone and they're willing to fall in love with you at your worst, it's a pretty good sign of what's to come. So, you know, I was real lucky to, to meet my wife uh, when I was at rock bottom. And she's been a big uh, source of of comfort. But, you know, look, I'm I'm an adventure guy. So I do a lot of hiking. I do a lot of biking. I do a lot of climbing. I do a lot of running and that helps me de-stress. But I will tell you, Diana, I'm in the last profession I would ever want to be in. Working in politics is the last thing I ever wanted to do. I wanted to be in public policy. You know, I went into government after 9-11 to work in the national security community to prevent a day like that from happening again. But I never, ever, ever wanted to be involved in electoral politics and campaigns. And i would never volunteered on a political campaign in my life. But I went into government thinking that the biggest threats to our country in my lifetime would be foreign threats. It would be terrorist organizations and it would be rival nation states like Russia and China and Iran. and. I could not have been more wrong i think the biggest threat to our democracy is ourselves right now it's internal it's the political corrosion happening in this country and it's a hyper populist movement that's threatening again those institutional guardrails of our democracy so if i wanted to make sure that my career was focused on protecting democracy i needed to pivot and i needed to pivot towards politics and protecting our political system and, and I do hope that that's not the case a few years from now. I will be delighted to be done with this conversation and not talking about Donald Trump, not talking about the MAGA movement, but I think it's imperative that people talk about it, even if it's uncomfortable and not just tune out because the tuning out is going to make it much more electorally viable for that movement and political extremism to thrive.
0: Well, thank you. My guest is Miles Taylor, author of Blowback, published by Atria Books, an imprint of Simon & Schuster. This is Diana Cordy with Book Talk. Thanks, Diana. That was fantastic.